Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We are so excited to bring you this show. Our podcast is all about unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed games. Each episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Assassin's Creed universe. From Pieces of Eden, Solar Flares, and the Isu, to the Hidden Ones, the Order of Ancients, and of course, the Animus, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us, and maybe even take a leap of faith. Welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Shelby, and you might also know me as SheCup. Yeah, I'm Austin or Teacup. And we are here to bring you another episode of the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We're super, super excited to be here. We're in our season three of this podcast, and I hear we have a really interesting character deep dive to talk about today, Austin. Yes. So unlike our last character deep dive, which was about not a protagonist of one of the games. This one is about a protagonist of one of the games. And this is about Bayek of Siwa, which Shelby is very excited about. I am excited about it. Um, I love Bayek. I, he, he's absolutely one of my favorite companions or protagonists. Definitely top three. I don't know yet how I would rank them all since I haven't played all the games yet. Um, But he's up there, like top two, top three for me. And Origins is for sure still my favorite game. I don't know if that will change. It may change. But as of now, Origins is for sure my still favorite game. So I'm really excited for today's deep dive. Yeah, so let's just dive right in. So Bayek was born in 85 BCE in Siwa, Egypt. And so just... To kind of give a reference, the events of AC origins take place in like the 40s BCE. So that means that Bayek is like in his 40s, like late 30s, early 40s at the events of those games. So just kind of putting that in perspective. And so he's born to the Magi, uh, Sabu and his wife, Amos. Uh, When he was a young child, a group led by a grave robber known as Mena had attacked his family home. Uh, Most of the grave robbers were killed by Sabu, but his mother also defended Bayek. In 70 BCE, so Bayek is 15, Bayek lived in Siwa. At this time, he was also in a relationship, and this is where he meets Aya of Alexandria, a Greek girl whom he adored. They often went went to the Hotep Cavern and the Quatra Depression where they fell in love. Bayek's father did not approve of their relationship as he knew that Aya had ambitions and dreams to settle in Alexandria and he feared her mixed heritage would corrupt his teachings to Bayek as one of the Magi. That's interesting. I mean, I think you can say that she does not corrupt Bayek. I mean, just looking at the end of that game, he still holds true to his beliefs, even when she disagrees. Mm -hmm. Very much so. So Sabu eventually, like there's something else going on and Sabu elects 
to leave Siwa without giving a reason other than it's safer for the town of Siwa if he left than stayed. So after discussions with his mom and another family friend, Bayek chose to follow his father and goes off in search of him. He initially travels to the city of Zwati to find the messenger who had informed Sabu that something was going amiss, but Bayek didn't hear that conversation. In doing so, he met Tuta, a boy urchin who ultimately misled Bayek and resulted in his purse being stolen. After chasing down the thief across rooftops, Bayek was nearly strangled to death by Tuta's father, Taneb, and he was saved by Aya, who happened to have followed him to uh, Zwati with basically figuring out what he was doing. And then after several misadventures in the city, Bike eventually finds his father and he, Aya, and his father return to Siwa after that point. And then several years pass there and Sabu continued to train Bayek as a Magi. In turn, Ayak was trained by Bayek and they spent years training on the run across many villages. Eventually, Bayek asked Aya for her hand in marriage. She refused, citing that being a Magi's wife would be harsh and that she still dreamed to live and work in the Library of Alexandria. She elected to leave the training as her aunt had taken ill, and she traveled back to Siwa. She was set upon by horse thieves at a watering hole. She was able to hold her own until a man came to her aid. Unknowingly, Aya had led the man straight right to their training camp. Once they arrived there, the man let loose arrows that hit Sabu and only sliced Bike in the stomach with a blade. All three men were ultimately injured in the ensuing battle, leaving Sabu to push Bike into a nearby river. As a result, Sabu was struck down and killed by the man. After Sabu is killed, Bayek falls unconscious and is swept away by the safety of the river, and Aya escapes. That's really sad. Um, do you think that this action by Sabu, obviously his primary instinct is to protect his son, but do you think this action of like fighting with Aya and ultimately sacrificing his life shows that he eventually came to approve of her? I think so a little bit right and there's more going on which we'll talk about in a little bit um but this man is not just a random man is it ever just a random person no. in assassin's creed no <laughs> like his name is Beyond, uh and he is a mercenary is all i'll tell you for right now so he's then pulled from the river by people who nursed him back to health over four days on a boat he steadily traveled north before dip, disembarking to purchase a horse to get to Siwa. He arrived to find Aya safe with her aunt, but was warned that a man was somewhere that the man beyond was somewhere nearby. Fearing for his mother's life, he immediately headed to his her home with Aya, where Beyond lied in wait, and they all fought him until his mom was critically wounded in the process. So they eventually do kill Beyond, but with his dying veil breath he revealed that raya a member of the order of ancients ordered the death of all the magi in egypt not long after this bike does marry aya and he becomes the protector of siwa and together they raise the son called kemu years later bike traveled to alexandria and killed raya in his own home bike became the last magi in siwa where he was viewed as a protector 
of his community, but to the rest of Egypt, he quickly became viewed as an inconvenient relic to those in power. Interesting. I mean, I think that this is interesting. I really, I mean, I you know that Aya and Bayek have history, obviously, when you play Origins. I guess I just wasn't really expecting the history to be this complex and this deep because they've known each other for a lot longer than I thought they had, like since they were young teenagers. Yes. Basically, the rest of the events are as we know it. Bayek and Aya live relatively peaceful lives for a long time for probably nigh on a decade, because I don't think we're ever told Camus' age at the start of Origins, but, I mean, he doesn't look like he could be older than 10. I mean, true, but also... That's true. What did Connor Kenway look like when he was a child in Assassin's Creed 3? You you mean when he's supposed to be four? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I do think they've improved with that over the years. So, no, I ultimately agree with you. Kemo can't be more than, like, 10 years old. Right. So, at least a decade. At most a decade, probably, like, five, six, seven years. Of uh, We don't know how long they were married before they gave birth to Kemu either. Um, mm-hmm. And so, relatively peaceful life until the fateful day that we all know and we all dread and we all were not able to process and is why this game is one of the saddest, which is that eventually the Order of Ancients does come to Siwa with their puppet king, Ptolemy, and they're looking for the Siwa vault. And the resulting struggle leads to the accidental death of um, Kemu, which you can argue, like, yes, Bike is the one that holds the knife that ultimately strikes Kemu, but... I still say the Order of the Ancients are responsible for his death. Yeah, absolutely. And also, like, if Aya, the mother, doesn't blame Bayek for his death, she blames the Order of Ancients, then you can't either. We can't. You know, that's my view on it. I agree 100% with that. Uh, so this leads, obviously, as we know, this leads Bayek and Aya on a long and determined journey to avenge the death of their child. It is here that they meet and enlist in the forces of Cleopatra, though they enlist at separate times. They kind of split up to hunt down different order members of the Order of Ancients, and then they meet later in Alexandria, and Aya basically introduces Bayek to um, Cleopatra, and Cleopatra is basically like, hey, just be my magi, like work for my forces, and they get enlisted to start taking down the order where Bayek and with sometimes the help of Aya goes across Egypt and hunts down the order until ultimately um, Cleopatra originally wanted to um, ally herself with Pompey, with Pompey, Caesar's rival, but he obviously is defeated by Caesar. And then Cleopatra allies herself with Caesar. And there's the whole battle of them taking Rome and taking out Ptolemy and all of that. And it is revealed that Caesar... And his people, Septiminus and Flavius, are members of the Orders of the Ancient. And there is a betrayal of Bayek and Aya by Cleopatra and Caesar. And so after that, they go and they take down the Order of Ancients and create the Hidden Ones. Bayek then spends the rest of his life building the Hidden Ones in the DLCs in uh, 
the land of Sinai and in Thebes with all of the hidden ones working there uh, to try to remove the Order's influence and understand the strange artifacts, the Isu artifacts that the Order was using across the known world. The events of Bayek's death are unknown. We don't know if he is killed. We don't know if he dies of old age. We don't know anything surrounding what happens with his death. But we do know that he is buried with Aya in Egypt, as we know Layla finds the tomb with both of them in it in 2017. And that's Bayek's story. It's so interesting to me that he's like a main protagonist of the games and we know this little about him. Yeah, I know. Um, There's just has not been a ton of media. I will say I forgot about this um, and I didn't put in my show notes, but you can discover correspondence between Bayek and Aya by doing the uh, hidden one bureaus in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And basically that correspondence is Bayek telling Aya or Amunet, as he calls her there, um, that they need to keep their identities hidden. Their identities as Bayek of Siwa and Aya of Alexandria need to be stricken from the historical record so that no one can trace the hidden ones back to them. I get that. I just wish there was more. Um, But I guess I feel like, you know, this new book or comic or whatever it is that's coming out about Edward Kenway, I feel like if that can happen so long after Black Flag and the people who've been talking about, we need a conclusion to Edward's story, like we need more Edward, da 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 If they can be on that train for this long, I can be on the Bayek train and and hope endlessly for more Bayek content. Yeah, definitely. Um, We can discuss Bayek in general. Um, We're going to get into some discussion questions in the second half, but I think now is a good time to just quick do our mid-break and get back into it. Sure thing. Shoot! Shoot the flying demon! Malaka! 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 I get the sense you two are ill fit for whatever it is you're plotting. <laughs> this one takes us for a fool, brother. We sons of Ragnar have this well under control. No, we do not. Sons of Ragnar. I know of many, but never have I heard of dull and duller. All right, welcome to the middle of the show. This is where we talk about all the things that have to do with the um, Assassin's Creed lore cast and not necessarily the lore of Assassin's Creed. So the first thing I have to tell you is that we do have a Patreon. It's the number one best way to support us. Um, you know, some financial support definitely helps us keep making the show. It's a labor of love, but it is still a labor. And so if you can support us in that way, we greatly appreciate it. Um, But if you can't support us that way, the next best way to support us is through a rating or a review. You can leave us reviews um, on Apple with words and stars. You can also leave us comments on episodes in Spotify as well as ratings over there as well. So I do have a review to read today. This one is from Assassin Down on Apple. And they said, fantastic, five stars. As an Assassin's Creed fanboy, I love this. Although I know most of the lore, the detail and work being put in is amazing. Worth the listen for sure. Thank you so, so much for that awesome review. We greatly appreciate it. And it really does help us. 
So the next thing I have to talk about is our Discord server. We do have a server where we talk about all kinds of fun things, Assassin's Creed and Dragon Age and Jedi Survivor and Aragon and Skyrim and all of the games that we all love. Um, so if you love games and want to talk to other people, definitely come join us over there. Um, and the last thing I have to talk about is my playthrough. And I do have some really big news, some really, really big updates. So I did finish Black Flag and I have moved on to another game. I don't remember if I said this in the last episode, but I am no longer going chronologically just because I want to be able to play Mirage um, close to or when it comes out, whenever it does come out. Um, so I've started Odyssey, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I'm still in the early game. I'm still on Kefalonia, um, but I already am totally hooked on this game. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I spent so long on Kefalonia because I just was taken in the the utter beauty of that game. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous. Like, and there was so much, and the fact that one of the big things that they introduce in the RPG trilogy, as we call it, is the fact that when you discover things, you get XP. And mm -hmm. so I wanted, so I had a motivation to go and discover everything. But yeah, I'm excited for you to experience the story. It's one of my favorite um, stories. And I've said this before. Um, I think it's, it is a great game. It might not be one of the best Assassin's Creed games, but it is a great game nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, I can already see that. Um, I'm just like thinking about my early, like, not necessarily predictions, but impressions of the game. Um, and I'm playing as Cassandra. I'm not sure that was clear, but if you know me, you knew that already. So I'm enjoying her very much as a, as not an assassin, but as a protagonist. Um, I'm annoyed by Marcos, just gonna put it out there. Like, obviously he's hilarious and I can tell obviously also that Cassandra loves him and, and very much feels indebted to him but he makes bad decisions just putting it out there and then i also love phoebe a lot as a character too yeah phoebe's a great character um so those are my impressions so far i guess for the end of black flag because I, I didn't give that enough justice before we moved on but i was just really sad um you were with me when I was kind of finishing it up and there were some things I definitely expected. And there were some other things that I was like, Oh man, like this sucks. Um, and it, it, I really feel like Edward and Bayek have two of the saddest stories in all of Assassin's Creed. Um, and for, for Edward specifically, you know, he loses like almost everything, you know, he does get family at the end but all of his friends die. He's constantly made fun of and called ugly the whole freaking game. And he just suffers a lot. Um, and it's pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, I told you it was not a happy game. You did tell me, but it was still really sad. Yes, it was very sad. Um, I do love Black Flag. It is a very compelling story and very compelling game. So yeah, um, you got any other things for your playthrough? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I really did enjoy Black Flag a lot, 
but it's not up there for me for like favorite game or anything. All right. I mean, I that's fine. It's not for everyone. Um, I'm not saying it was bad and I'm not saying I didn't like it. It's just there are other stories that I have enjoyed more so far in Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, And it's not, it used to be up there with my favorite, but since my replay of favorite, I wouldn't. It's not, it's probably in my top five, but it's probably not like my favorite of all time. Like it might be number four mm-hmm. or five. Yeah, and I'll definitely like, have to update everybody um all the listeners whenever i do make it through all of or most of at least the games because i'm sure my favorites will change by then yeah so i think that's all for the middle of the show right yeah let's get back into it me hatham i come in peace why are you speaking so slow? Sorry. What? Um, I, I was told you could train me. No. Go away. I'm not leaving. Bianca! Bianca! Is everything all right? What do you think? Look at this place! And poor Bianca. If something's happened to her. Aha! Oh, my darling. Thank God you're all right. Ezio, meet Bianca. Bianca, Ezio. Charmed. So, since we finished his story, I kind of like poised up some discussion uh questions because we normally do the why you love and hate bayek and or hate bayek uh and we'll do that but i have some other ones that i think are important to talk about with bayek because he is like a start of a different type of assassin's creed game and so we'll talk about that but the first one is how does bayek compare to a real magi so i did our cursory internet research uh not a uh really thorough one or an in-depth one, just a surface level one. So I might have things wrong. There might be some things, but this is what I found out. So the original Magi, the first mention that we get of them was a racial group, not a group of like warriors or anything, but a racial group of people dating around the 1800s to the 1550 BCE. And so that's what's called the Old Kingdom or the Middle Kingdom of ancient Egypt. That's really the only mention. We know that they interacted with the Egyptians, that they were kind of part of a subgroup of the Egyptians, but they were their own racial group. During the 18th dynasty of the New Kingdom of Egypt, which is around 1550 to 1250 BCE, um, the Magi were referred to as a police force, but not a racial group. From what we know, the Magi were an arm of the Pharaoh that the Pharaoh could send to do the Pharaoh's will, but they were not typically described as servants of the people. However, this does not mean that they were not because there is very little archaeological evidence. We do not, 
know a lot about what these magi groups are which makes sense because if it's before you know like five if it's before 1000 ce we don't have a lot of information about it right and also i would add and just you know guessing here but if this group is continued on after 1550 bce into like the time of bayek the changes that could happen over 2000 years are pretty pretty thorough i mean look at how much our society has changed over 2000 years you know mm -hmm. so that's another factor in it is bayek a, a representative of a magi like does he compare thoroughly to that i'm yes and no like there's not a lot to go off of at least in my surface level search of the internet to say uh i think one thing that does like strike as a similarity is that he becomes a magi by inheriting it from his father so maybe there's some heritage in there of this being a racial group in within egypt and the surrounding areas so the first discussion question that I kind of want us to go on is, I say, do you think Bayek as a protagonist marks a tonal shift in the AC games? And what I mean by that is like, do you think Bayek marks the AC, the AC universe, the AC, the AC games kind of lean a lot more into the dark side of its, of its lore and its storytelling? Whereas, you know, before, like, all of our characters experience tragedy, but very much with the Ezio trilogy, like, that tragedy is experienced, but there's so much, like, ridiculousness and other things going around that it's not, like, central to the tone. But for me, I feel that Bayek, like, his tragedy and his story is so in your face in Assassin's Creed Origins, more so than it is in any other Assassin's Creed game. It's really hard for me to say yes or no on this one. And I, you sent me the questions like earlier this morning and it's taking me all day to kind of really think about it. But, and I still don't have an answer, but I lean towards yes, just because, and like, this is kind of a story from when I was playing Origins, when Camus died, I was like, oh, they didn't kill a child. They wouldn't kill a child. Like he's going to come back. Like it'll be fine. And you were sitting there like, no that's no they killed him they he's dead um and i was like no like they they would not do that that's no like you you can't do that in video games um so for that reason i want to say yes it is a tonal shift but at the same time i still do think there are some funny things in the game you know i think about when he literally wakes up in the desert like buried in the sand you know that's funny his little bathrobe that's funny um, mm -hmm. And I also think about, I also think about other games that have been darker. And I mean, I'm just coming off of Black Flag and Edward's story is not happy either. Edward's story, while it's not exactly the same as Bayek's, it is similar in just the sheer amount of people that Edward loses in his life. He loses his whole entire family too. Um so I, I, it's really hard for me to say yes or no to this question, but I do think, I think that it builds on themes of loss that are already there in the previous games and takes it a step further and takes it deeper. 
Yeah, I I definitely see that and agree with that. And like, it's important to note that AC Origins as a whole, like Kemu is not the only child death that we deal with on screen. We deal with a second one when we're hunting the crocodile and it is just as bit as traumatic and heart wrenching as the Kemu saying is like, Mm-hmm. and you know i will say at least like odyssey kind of like gives you a way of like avoiding the tragedy like odyssey can be a very dark and tragic game or it cannot be depending on choices that you make and valhalla it's dark in its own way but it's more it's more in line with like the Ezio trilogy or uh, black flag and like the way it says its own things but like I feel like origins kind of stands unique in that yeah no I tend to agree with that I do definitely see where you're coming from um yeah and I just think that and we'll get into more of the emotional weight of the game in a, in another question coming up but I think as a more kind of more light-hearted kind of shift maybe not depending on the situations. But our next question is, what are your thoughts on Bayek and Aya as a couple? Um, I do have thoughts on this one, trademark. I don't love them as a couple. Um, I think my opinion would be different if we saw them before when they were happy. You can tell that they definitely love each other. I'm not saying they don't love each other. I think it's very clear that they deeply care for one another. But even in our world, when you have a couple who has gone through something so traumatic as the loss of a child. Most times the couple divorces um, because they, they don't know how to be together anymore without their child, without the person that they created. And so I think that the same is true for Bayek and Aya. I don't think they know how to be together anymore. And I don't think they know. I don't want to say they don't know what they have in common anymore, but they're, I think if they didn't have the order of agents to fight and the hidden ones to create, I think they would just grow apart and they wouldn't have anything to do with each other. Um, So I think the way we see their relationship, it's not really that physical. I mean, it is in the beginning of origins, but as the game progresses, we don't get any more of those relationship scenes. We just see them working together. And so I think by the end, by the DLCs, we see them in a companionship in a colleague relationship, but we don't see them as intimate romantic partners. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. Um, I agree that I don't, I don't think they belong together. I think I a hundred percent agree with you in that, like they cannot be together anymore. But I appreciate them included there because I think they are one of the realest relation examples of a relationship ever portrayed in a video game, ever. Mm-hmm. I totally like, agree with you. Um, and I think it's a perfect example of, you know, to quote or go to Dragon Age to quote Dorian when he says sometimes love just isn't enough and love is not all that can bind a relationship together. It's at its core. It's at everything. It should it be in everything that you do, but it can't if you're not dealing with other things around there. It's not enough to keep a relationship together sometimes. Um 
Also, I think sometimes love can tear you apart because mm-hmm. it's their love for Kemu who is no longer with them, who's dead, that I think is what tears them apart because they don't know how to be with each other anymore. They don't know how to be two when they were three. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. But like it, it to my day, like rates as one of my favorite portrayals of a relationship in a video game because it is so real it's palpable like you feel every moment the way the voice acting is done the way the animation is done the way that like the like their their physicality that's not sexual with each other like the into the non-sexual intimacy they hold with each other that kind of comes back and like the distance and I really appreciate like even the thing of like Bayek trying to move closer and Aya is continuously pulling away and it's just it's really well done and it's really well well written um and so this question comes in that this game is rated M so ideally it is not to be played or sold to anyone under the age of 17 but we all know things are gotten around that way parents buy games for video games people of all ages end up playing these games is this mm-hmm. game would you let a 15 year old play this game basically well you know i've worked with children and youth before children and teenagers and i know you do too um and i perhaps am not the most strict person in the world and and my answer is yeah i think i would maybe not if they were super immature and sheltered um But the reason why is because I fundamentally believe that children and teenagers especially, they need to know what the world is like. And the world has death. The world is full of death and oppression. And that's, I mean, that, that both of those topics are huge themes in this game. And not only that, but I think that teenagers and us too, adults, we have to learn how to process and handle grief because everyone in their lives experiences grief. And I know that we've talked about this like on our other podcasts a lot, but we haven't as much on this one. Um, But grief is something that every single person experiences, whether it's the loss of a family member or even something as small as, you know, losing your job or maybe something in the middle, like losing a pet or a friend, um, or even something you might think as silly as my plant died when I was depressed, I couldn't take care of my plant and it died and I'm sad about it. Those are all real experiences of grief and we all experience them in our lives. And I think when we have games that show us characters like Bayek and Aya, who both experience their grief over Camus death differently, we see strategies and we see ways of dealing with our own grief that not only give us a way to process our emotions, but also heal us in the meantime. And so for that reason, I think I would let a teenager play this game because teenagers, they're experiencing a lot of grief, even though you might think, oh, well, they're just at the beginning of their lives. They're experiencing a lot of things that are hard to deal with, Um, especially teenagers in America today that are constantly, when they go to school, faced with potential gun violence. They're dealing with Mm -hmm. grief over that. I think that 
games that deal with adult themes like death and themes like grief can help you heal and can help you become a more emotionally intelligent person. And so those are the reasons why I would let a teenager play this game. Yeah, I think I do agree. And I think I really want to circle back around to what you said about like the emotional maturity of said teenager of said 15 year old um, kind of comes into that. But, you know, I'm thinking of a teenager in my youth group who has dealt with a lot of grief and trauma in their life. And I think they would be mature enough to play this game. But there are probably some other 15 year olds that I think are would not be mature enough to play this game. But yeah, I think about that. And I think that if I was trying to show someone like video games are more than just constant violence, video games are more than just multiplayer competitive, they're more than just point a gun somewhere and shoot something, I would have them play this game. I think this might be the entryway of like saying like, this is like, this is art. This is storytelling. This is excellent acting and writing it is just told through a medium that you're not used to. Yes, absolutely agreed. And I think that, you know, there's this resurgence right now of video games being made into TV shows and movies. And I honestly think that Origins is one that they could do and do very well and have it be very impactful. I think Origins, like as a whole, like with its cinematics, with its story, could very easily be translated into a movie um, without really even having to change that much about the game. Mm -hmm. And so now we're on to our question we ask for every character deep dive we do, which is why do you love Bayek? I know we both love Bayek, so I'm not even including the hate for Bayek. Um, I haven't even even seen things on the internet that hate Bayek. I've seen hate for Origins as a game, but not for Bayek. So but no, I have seen I have seen hate for Bayek. Um, and basically talking about how like criticizing him for being emotional, um, and criticizing mm -hmm. him for being I don't want to say a beta male, but like almost that kind of argument, which I just completely disregard because I think that's completely wrong um but that is the the kind of hate that i've seen for him and honestly it's on reddit and reddit is not the best place to hang out so um there's that but no i do love bike i love him a lot and the reason why i love him a lot is because he's such a good example of a person who deals with their grief and deals with their emotions and at the same time he is a great example of a man who is gentle and tender, even though he's gone through so much hardship and trauma in his life. He hasn't let those things make him deaf to the needs of the people around him. Um, he hasn't let the trauma of his life make him a hard person. It hasn't let he hasn't let it make him a cruel person or a person whose only thought is for revenge. Um, and so I love that about Bayek because I think that he's a really great example for young men and teenage men, even teenage boys who need a gentle and tender male figure in their life. Um, I think he's a great example of that because it is masculine, I believe, to be gentle, especially to be gentle with 
people that are suffering or people that are helpless. I believe that is very much a masculine trait. Um, and Bayek is an amazing example of that. Um, and so for me, the people that hate Bayek are the people that don't want men to be tender and gentle, that want men to only be strong and tough and don't ever want men to have the full range of human emotions. Um, and I don't think that's healthy. So. Right. Um, I'm going to say, but then I have, uh, I have a follow-up question that I want to ask. And I think that it's, will be a good one. Um, but I totally agree with all of that stuff. And I'm reminded of, um, so we're in the same network with like the Mass Effect lore cast and all that. And they, on one episode, when they were talking about Admiral Anderson, David Anderson, they're talking about like how Captain Anderson has every reason in the world to be bitter, but he chooses not to. And that is Bayek to me. Bayek has every reason to be hateful and cruel and bitter and desensitized to the world and no one can blame him for it but he chooses not to. And that takes a type of emotional healing and strength that is not often found in people. Um, mm -hmm. And he is just like, he is, I think to this day, I think he is the most rounded and well and developed Assassin's Creed protagonist to date. I agree. And as much as I love her, as much as I love her, Aya is not on the same level as Bayek is. She has succumbed to her bitterness and she has chosen that life of more revenge. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, props on Origins for switching that. Um, that stereotype, yeah. Yeah, which kind of like is a terror to like the final question that I wanted to ask. Is Bayek a feminist character? I believe so. I really do. Um, and there are a lot of reasons. There are a lot of reasons because he never undermines Aya. And I know that this game got a lot of flack because this was kind of the era when Ubisoft was quote unquote afraid to release a solo female protagonist. And so they made Bayek the protagonist and Aya kind of tagged along too. Um, and the, I guess gossip or whatever came out about how Ubisoft executives didn't think female led games would sell and, and all of that. That was that era. Um, but I think the game itself stands as a testament to the fact that it doesn't have to be a woman as the main character of a game for it to be a feminist game because Bayek, I absolutely believe values women and treats women with respect. I mean, we see him work with a lot of women and I, I don't remember which of the people it is that um, he ends up, you know, having to assassinate, but one of them, she is a mother who lost their child just like Bayek and they connect. And she's like a fighter in the arena where he's fighting too. And she ends up being, you know, a person who has succumbed again to that bitterness over her child's death and has aligned with the order of the ancients. And so Bayek does end up having to kill her, but like you can tell in the other interactions they had before he knew who she was, that he truly respected her. And I also believe that about 
Aya. But again, at the same time, Bayek is not a character that's just like, oh, well, you're a woman, so I have to agree with everything you say, because we also see him disagreeing often with Cleopatra. Um, so, I mean, I absolutely agree and believe that Bayek is a feminist character, is a character that deeply values women. And I think that this game is a feminist game, perhaps more so than Odyssey or Valhalla. I don't judge Odyssey just yet until you uh, get through it. I just know about the drama and the issues with the endings um, and kind of oh, yeah. negating any of the choices you make in Odyssey, especially with Cassandra's character. I, so I know about that. Um, and and personally, this is my personal opinion. Take it with a grain of salt. But I don't personally love the choose between the gender kind of thing. Um, just pick one and it'll be fine. Um, I, I agree. I'm tired. Like I'm kind of, uh, but I'm kind of tired of the choose between the genders. I just want them to make like, if this, if you want this story to be a man, make them a well-rounded man. That is an example of what it means to be a human. If you want a woman, commit to that. Make the woman elite. I mean, I think you look at like the Horizon series games, like the games led by women will sell now. Like they just mm -hmm. have just like any other game, just do it well, do it authentically, have women consult on your game, have female writers who consult and write these characters. Like it's not that hard. Yeah. Um, Agreed. And so I think with that, um, what I was going to just say is that bike again is an example of how a lot of characters meet three of the four requirements for being a himbo, but not all of them, which his one is he's not dumb by any measure of the standards, but he is hot, he is beefy, and he does respect women. True. These are true. But there's a lot of people who are hot, muscly, and respect women and are like nowhere close to being a himbo, which I would put Bayek in that category. Right. Um, but yeah, um, thanks for all your thoughts and these dealing with these discussions. I think I might, uh, as we go into character deep dives that are more protagonists of the games where we know a good chunk of their story, I might start developing more of these uh, questions if we like them just talking about the characters. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would be able to have as much input over a character I don't know or haven't seen in the games. So keep that in mind. Yes. But yeah, uh, but I really I love Bayek and you might have heard it in our voices, but his story like always makes us cry. And when we talk about Bayek, like we always get a little teary, mm -hmm. but we love him. And that's all I got for Bayek. Speak for yourself, says while sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, But if that's all we've got, let's wrap it up. Thank you all so much for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at AC Lorecast. If you have any lore questions or topics to unpack, join our Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. It's the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon, 
find us on patreon.com slash Assassin's Creed Lorecast. The Assassin's Creed Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode's description. If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, make sure you give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. And always remember, Assassins, stay in the shadows to serve the light. ever wanted to deep dive into the lore and stories behind all your favorite Marvel movies? Then do we have the show for you. I'm Captain Shanko. And I'm Psych88. Join us as we dissect the media megalith that is the MCU. We'll talk about the origin stories, the fights, and everything in between. The MCU Lorecast releases on all major podcasting platforms on Mondays as part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club and can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.